Hi, welcome to the latest episode of my podcast, which is the audio recording of an interview. The video version is available on Facebook, YouTube, and most of the time on Instagram. My Facebook group is called Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, and all the links to everything else are on there. Um, If you want any feedback or if you want to suggest any authors you'd like to see, I'd really appreciate it. Hope you enjoy. Good evening. Today I'm talking to David Mark. Hiya, David. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, I'm I'm David Mark, uh, uh, which is which isn't easy. Uh, I'm a full-time professional crime novelist. Uh, I'm not even sure I'm a crime novelist. I'm just a novelist. Um, I was a crime journalist prior to that. Uh, I'm a, a bumbling halfwit fool, uh, and I tend to make up for my um, lack of talent. Um, no, I don't have an end to that sentence. I don't have I don't have any way to make up for my lack of talent. Uh, no, I'm I am I'm a writer, and it pleases me greatly to be able to say so. Awesome. And did you always want to write? Yeah, it's uh, yes. Uh, I I serve no other purpose uh, on a on a metaphysical or molecular level. Uh, nobody would would want my um, organ donations or anything like that. So, really, if if I'm not a writer, then I, I I'm pointless. Uh, it's it's all consuming. It's all I think about. We we are stories. We're all stories, and I and I find stories vastly more manageable and uh, engaging and compelling than than reality. I like the 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 the, the filter and the structure, and I, I like everything about storytelling, uh, and I like everything about books, uh, even bad books. I enjoy the hatred. Uh, I, I enjoy the disgust. Uh, so yeah, the, the, almost everything that I've that I've enjoyed in life, um, from any degree of intellectual or, uh, or soulful level, I've found within a book. So the fact that I can add my own small contribution to that pantheon is 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 a great honour. Uh, and especially given that I, I I spent so long trying to become a novelist, uh, to to the you know, to the detriment of the rest of my life, uh, the fact that I am, I am one, uh, to, to, to lesser, to, to lesser and varying degrees of success, but the fact that I am one is terrific. You know, I know that I, I teach a lot of, uh, a lot of writing students, people who want to be novelists. And the, the one thing that the one crumb of comfort I, I can give them is that if you do make it, it feels every bit as good as you hope it would. Uh, even after all these years of doing it, you know, it's still the greatest privilege is to be able to say, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an author. Um, and what made you finally take the leap and decide to try and get a book published? Oh, I, I would have been published long since um, if I hadn't been so shit at it. Uh, it was it was very much the publishing industry didn't want me, uh, quite, and quite rightly. Uh, I, I started trying to get a book deal at about 22. Uh, when I was I was working as a journalist, obviously, uh, you know, as far, I knew I could write, I knew I, I knew I understood people, but I spent so long trying to prove, uh, you know, how how intelligent I was, uh, and how I had this this journalistic uh, perspicacity. I needed people to understand that I, I was the great chronicler of our age, and uh, oh, the shame looking back. Um, yeah, I, I wrote fascinating characters, and I I, I wrote wonderfully poetic descriptions but the, but what I lacked was the thing that I adored in other people's work which was a story uh, and yeah I spent many many years writing books that I thought of as as literature I really want to break my own fingers for that but uh, <laughs> uh, and um, it, it just kept going wrong uh, because nobody wanted to publish them and finally I, I'd thought I'd best stop Trying to trying so hard to be to be recognised as somebody who deserves a blue plaque. Uh, I I thought maybe I should just try writing a really good book about something that I know, 
Uh, and, you know, it, it still took its time, but that actually was the decision that led to an eventual publishing deal, was, was stop it, you know, focus on the bits, lose sight of yourself and focus on an imaginary reader and their life and what they might want from a novel and try and provide that. Uh, and that's kind of been the way I've done it since every time I, I feel myself patting myself on the back for for having written uh, this, this opaque uh, but beautiful description. I think myself, I, you know, has it served the plot? Has it served the character? Is it necessary? And, you know, as, if I can slash away at all that, sometimes you find that what remains is a, is a very very sparse, very pared down, but very readable book. And that seems to be the, that seems to be my, my method, if there is such a thing. So did you choose crime fiction because of your journalism career or were you a big reader of crime fiction as well? It, it was both really, you know, I mean, I, like I started reading uh, Agatha Christie when I was, was nine or 10. And I, I loved the, the, the problem solving element of it, but, if I didn't guess who done it, it sort of didn't spoil the reading experience for me because I loved the I loved the characters. I loved I loved immersing myself in other worlds. Um, so I I, I was I, I I'm a great believer that all fiction is is crime fiction to one degree or another. Uh, everything comes down to the great questions of life and death and the bits in between. Uh, so I don't know if I planned to become a crime novelist per se, not in the same uh, not in the same way as, as those that I read, uh, but you know, publishers do love their sections, uh, and and Waterstones do like to know where to put you. Uh, so I, I think I became a crime writer almost by default. Um, but it's I mean, crime crime is such an incredibly broad church that you you don't know quite where where you fit. You know, it's a continuum. You don't know whether you, you you're you're cozy or you're at the you know metaphysical gory end of things, or you know it, it leaves you so much to play with. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, my stuff's crime because it's got coppers and bodies in it. Uh, but you know, everything has coppers and bodies in it eventually. <laughs> you know, we we all we all become the focus of, 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 of coppers and undertakers by the end. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if I chose it or if it's just that, that there isn't really a section for, for bleak, brooding, uh, existential melodrama uh, that happens to, to have bodies in it. So I'll stick with crime for now, I think. Um, and which of your books would you most like to be a character in? Oh wow! Uh, my my second book, uh, my second in the McAvoy series, Original Skin, uh, is all is largely set in the uh, the underground world of of, uh, of swinging and dogging. Uh, so, if I had to stay in a book in perpetuity, uh, even with my bad knee, I think that's probably where I'd I'd, I'd be happy. <laughs> uh, but if if I'm going to be briefly sincere. Uh, I, I wrote a book uh, about three or four years ago now called The Zealot's Bones. It was my first historical novel. Uh, and it, it did really, really well uh, critically. Uh, Sunday Times Book of the Year, uh, one of, uh, and nobody bought it. Uh, but that's life. But that was set in 1850 during a cholera outbreak in Hull. Um, and it was the most squalid, pungent, vile thing I'd, I'd ever created but I love reading it back it's the book of mine that I love reading back um, just because I, I see it as a such an untamed world you know I, I, I hate how tame our world is I hate I, well I hate almost everything about now uh, so if, if I could I, I think I'd, I'd thrive and prosper in, in 1849 in, in, in Hull when the, the, the streets are piled high with rats and the dead. I think that would be my time. I think I'd do all right there. As long as, long, as, long as I could take my, my antidepressants, I think I'd be absolutely fine. I think that would work for me. 
so yeah, the zealot horns, I think I would live within the, if possible. Um, and if you were to be a character in your series, would you get on with your characters? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I, I mean, as much as I get on with anybody, uh, you know, there's a reason that writers spend most of the time in a room talking to the voices in their head. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm fond of a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like my, the, my main character, the guy who, who pays my bills, uh, McAvoy, I mean, you can't, you can't not like him because he's such a, a decent, noble chap. You know, he really, he genuinely cares. He, gen he has genuine compassion and he, he really will make your problems his problems. So other than occasionally thinking he's perhaps a bit holier than thou, which he is because he is holier than thou, uh, yeah, I think we'd get on definitely. Um, and I'm, I'm very much in, in love with his wife. Uh, as anybody who's read my books can can tell, uh, Rasheen, his, uh, his 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 wife is, uh, I mean, yeah, possibly a vision of. Well, she was a fantasy up until I met my partner. Um, so you know, I don't know whether there's a synergy thing going on there. Anyway, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then the other major character in the uh, in the series will be his boss, Trish Farrow. And uh, yeah, she. I think we probably put heads, uh, but with 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 a subtle note of admiration because she's she's funny and she's tough, uh, and she can you know she headbutt you in the groin. But uh, I think we might rub each other up the wrong way. I think she actually. I think she'd find me disagreeable, uh, and I and and I would try and make her like me by making her laugh. Uh, and if it didn't work, I'd get steadily filthier and darker until, you know, I either, <laughs> either got arrested or stabbed. It's, uh, it's very much my, my, my life's work. I, mean, I can draw on a lot of real life examples. <laughs> That's some life goals. <laughs> Being arrested yeah. or stabbed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's such is life. My life. Um, when you wrote the first book, were you planning on writing the series? I hope to, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, the thing is, it took me so long to get published. Uh, and, you know, and, and even the book that eventually made it, you know, had been through so many changes and, and, and rewrites and whatnot before it, before it came back to being the book it was almost originally. You know, and it, it took me about three years of, of trying to change it to make it what people kept telling me they wanted before eventually I threw out every single change that I'd done and went back with the original manuscript. And that was what pretty much sold. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I had dreams of how it could go. I, I, I imagined that it could be, you know, a, a new character detective series, you know, in, in the mold of my own particular heroes, like, you know, your, uh, your Rebus being the, the the, the obvious example um, but yeah that was very much what I hoped and I knew I had enough stories in my head for well for at least 10 books but you don't get a 10 book deal um, so the fact that they gave me a, a two book deal was for, meant it was for, for, for this and then the next one and after that it, it really it, it, I'd sort of everybody's presumed I was going to be writing a series so I've just kept writing them up until my publishers decided uh, that they didn't want them anymore, uh, you know, which is a bit of a kick in the knackers, really. Um, but as it is, I've got new publishers now and they want them. So it's, uh, I can keep going. The, 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 the thing that, that, most, that, that seems most baffling to me is that the people who want more are readers. Uh, so really, you'd think there'd be some facility in which I, as a writer, could get those books to readers and they would get what they wanted, and I'd be able to, you know, pay for, for very small amounts of my bills. Um, but it seems as though that is, the system isn't quite set up that way. Um, but nevertheless, yeah, I, I, I can. I want to keep writing, Michael. I want to keep writing. That's the key. The most important thing for me is that I, I you know, I make a an okay living now teaching creative writing and doing mentoring and manuscript assessments and even bits of motivational speaking here and there because I genuinely do believe you can achieve what you want if you're willing to try uh, 
but the, the the hard part is that everything I do is dependent on being able to uh, get a new contract that allows me to to sustain it. And the daft thing is that even if the publishers are the ones who got it wrong, who didn't who didn't position you right, who didn't try, who didn't care, who didn't push, they can drop you, and then you're yesterday's news. Uh, and and I, I really I struggle with that. I struggle with a lot of things in life. Um, so yeah, that, that that's hard. But all all I really ask is that I can continue to to get my books to people. And I, I don't care whether people buy them, list to them, or get them from the library, or you know, pay, buy a pound in a charity shop. I I want people to read them. And, you know, an an, an, un, an unread book is a sad thing as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, I I just want to keep I want to keep writing the series. But I, more than anything else, I just want to keep having an outlet for the stories. Because honestly, you've no idea to carrying this this weight of, of of creative mass in my head and having no outlet for it is is horrific. It really is. You know, it's 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 like yeah, I could do any any amount of of, of gross visceral comparisons for you as to how it feels. But uh, I'm I, you're a lady. Uh, and I'm still one of the people who respects the old school, so we won't start talking about cranial constipation now. I don't think it's good for you. I'm sure I've heard worse. Uh, not many people <laughs> call me a lady, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think within five years, I'll be, it'll be a shooting offence to refer to somebody as a lady, so <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> I'll take care. <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, whether we'll still be able to insult each other in a couple of months is 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 open to debate. To be honest, it's a very funny time for progressive liberals who find themselves simultaneously thinking, "Oh, come on, for God, can't you take that?" But yeah, it's, it's a funny old world, as yes. as I as I believe Jimmy Graves used to say. So that's uh, that's, that's that's where we are. Well, I'm going to carry on being sarcastic and insulting people because literally that's how my brain works. So I'm, if yes, anyone thinks well, I'm going to stop, then they're out of luck. <laughs> yeah, oh, believe me, there'll be a syndrome. <laughs> You'll be able to join a group for people who are who are sarcastic and perhaps a little withering. And yeah, the, the, as soon as you find out that you've got sarcastic withering syndrome, <laughs> they'll, they'll be able to pathologize it, give you a pill, Set you on the right road, or at least pretend to. I, I yeah, I can see it now. I've yeah, got no excuse fine. for this. This is the trouble. This is this is. I'm just objectionable. I'm just literally disagreeable. <laughs> no, and no. Honestly, I, honestly, and I say this without without asking for any sympathy. A friend of mine, like a re, one of my best friends, got in trouble on social media the other day for posting one of her something she thought was funny, which what because it was. Uh, and loads of people told her off. And she instantly messaged me to say, have I gone too far, right? And, and, I'm, th and I'm thinking, oh, it's nice that she reached out to ask my opinion. And, and my partner, the mother of my, my child, um, went, did she just pick the most obnoxious person that she knew? <laughs> and, I, and I was sitting there in the car thinking, shit, yeah, she did. She did. I was, I, I was the obnoxiousness litmus test. How is that? That's the position. <laughs> Anyhow, you've got like, positioned. That's that's all you need to know. You know, at least that, you have outstanding. <laughs> yeah, I, I fit in there somewhere. I'm providing a service, aren't I? Exactly. Yeah. It's bizarre though because I like in, in pubs throughout when I was still drinking in pubs, I I could like really upset people. Just by just with my face, it was just extraordinary, right? So, but on social media, everybody presumes I'm joking. So it doesn't matter what. Nobody jumps on me. Nobody attacks me. Nothing, and I'm really getting quite upset because <laughs> there's so many people who who can't take it get shouted at and shot down and all sorts, and I can take it and nobody's even bothered. So, yeah, I'm gonna have to try harder. That's all I can do. See if I can upset somebody. <laughs> but the trouble is that the people that I, that I, the people who get upset tend to be the ones that I agree with in the first place. So my mind is going to explode. Try to deal with all this. Yeah.
write it in a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, what else would I do? That's the thing. I can honestly, can you imagine this in a normal job? Like how? <laughs> it's just yeah. Anywho, good yeah. luck editing this. I'm not editing it. <laughs> oh, it's even better then, right? Yeah, yeah no, just, just be glad I've got to watch it again. <laughs> but that ain't happening. And <laughs> um, so that's books. Yes. <laughs> What's the most interesting thing you found when researching your books? Oh, uh, oh, that's a good question. I, I was I was fascinated when I went to discover that there were uh, um, shelters uh, underneath uh, various parts of rural East Yorkshire, uh, where like basically the, the SAS wing of Dad's army were going to be congregating in the event that, that, that Germany won the war. And they were going to be having guerrilla tactics and coming out and stabbing people and all sorts. Um, when I found a, when somebody gave me a map of where they actually all were, uh, that was that was a good day. Because you become a journalist because you're nosy and you like, uh, you like having... Uh, esoteric knowledge you know you you like being able to, to say i know about this uh and you know and for a price you can too uh so yeah that was i found that fascinating but i i, I do find i am a, i am a bit of a sponge for for, for knowledge like I, I i read constantly and i watch documentaries and i and i talk to people which is obviously something that's dying out uh, but I, I, I mine other people's anecdotes uh, and I have, I have kind of good recall of them all. So, yeah, I, I don't when I'm, I don't really do research in a conventional sense. I, I just read a lot and go through life with my eyes open, with my receptors receiving. Uh, and then that tends to become a plot almost by accident. Uh, and then I'll, I'll write something that's the most fascinating thing I could think of in that moment. And then I'm being asked questions about it two years later and it's gone out of my head again because it's, it's served its purpose and it's, it's been used. Uh, but yeah, I, I, think I, I, I stumble across all sorts of things that make me go, oh, that's cool. You know, I, or, or that's grim or, you know, all the stuff that, if, if you're a member of some like really weird Facebook groups, uh, like stuff found behind walls, stuff written on <laughs> stuff written uh, on on the chimney breast beneath the wallpaper that we scraped off, and and you need to know what happened, or you certainly need to feel. Uh, I, I I want to invest in this. I want to feel more. I want to experience. I want to keep this feeling going in perpetuity, of being enticed and excited, and uh, yeah, those are the things that tend to spark ideas for me. So, uh, yeah, in terms of an actual answer to that question, uh, there's, there's no one specific thing, but I, I, I'm, always, I, I'm always on the hunt for anything that makes me go, oh, that's amazing. And then I'm running it through the profile of one of my many children. And if they, if they go, that is amazing, then, I, then I'm like, yeah, I, I knew it was, yeah. Uh, and if I run it past my fiance and she goes, that's, that's gross, you don't, but, Nobody wants to know that. Why? I, I didn't want to know that. Why is that in my head? Uh, then usually that's that's definite. I have to use that. <laughs> yeah, this is why I like talking to crime writers because as we were speaking before, I'm studying forensics, so I yeah. love talking about that stuff. And most people are like, "That's really gross. What's wrong with you?" Whereas crime writers are like, <laughs> "Oh, absolutely." Well, the thing is, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm, I could be completely wrong about this, but as as far as I'm concerned, we are by nature fascinated by by the death, by by death and the macabre and the gory, and you know, like my my youngest, she's she's three and a half, uh, and obviously she's mine, so she's a bit weird, but. Uh, we were we were we were stood in the kitchen the other day. We, uh, our house is upside down, so we were one story up in the kitchen, um, and we were looking out into the field. And this sheep hadn't moved for ages, right? And I was st- I was like, "That's that sheep's dead." There's no two ways about it. And Artemisia, my youngest, she she said, oh, "I don't think it's dead." And I was like, "It is. It's dead." And we were having this argument about whether or not. This, and, and she went, "Should we go poke it?" And I, I, I was like, yeah, let's go poke it. That's obvious. 
<laughs> so we went out into we went out into the field and we, we did we poked it and it was a dead sheep. Uh, and Artemisia was not remotely she she wasn't she wasn't scared. She was she it was it wasn't a gross thing. She was she was fascinated. She wanted to understand better this this departure of life and the the, the remaining of this 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 what's left behind this this husk this vessel. Uh, and to me, that it was there was such a purity to that that it, to me it, it's it's baffling to me if if people shy away from discussions like that. It it almost says more about them than it does about you. I mean, there's a difference between that and you know going and uh, digging up a corpse and wearing it as a hat. I mean, that's probably where you go a bit too far. But I, I do think that culturally, I don't think that we could we quite understand death. We, we've sort of made it so asinine and sterile uh, that people get, get really weird about it, almost as if you can you can call it upon you by even looking too closely at it. And people using words like tragic about the death of a 99-year-old, you know, and you, you think it's not it's a shame, but it's, it's also, what was the alternative? Eternal life. Isn't that what? Isn't that what all really old people probably do? And and I find all of that really. I, I love reading about about death cults and about people who who've got a healthy relationship with the afterlife. But because we're such a arrogant secular age, we think to ourselves, oh, death. It's you know, we, we've conquered that. How how blastedly inconvenient it must be. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm sure there was a question sparked that train of thought, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> I'm past, <did> I? <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> I have to ask about the picture on your wall to Skull as well. I've noticed oh, that as soon as we started talking. Oh, yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. Uh, my, my partner is an artist, uh, an incredibly talented one. Her level of talent puts my, uh, literarily speaking, to shame. Uh, but yeah, I love skulls, as you can imagine. Uh, but I also love uh, uh, weapons um, and Johnny Cash. So I have a kind of this weird collage behind me. I've got a vintage saw with Johnny Cash painted on it. Uh, and lots of swords, skulls, a uh, variety of death-related uh, accessories. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you what, the bailiffs never know what to take in this house. I keep guessing. It's too important. Have you ever held one, Skull? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you have to. You've got to commune. You, you, you know, I mean, it's just there's something important, isn't there? There's something that's powerful. But, you know, that's what we'll all be. That That's, uh yeah. I mean, there's a di- again, there's a difference, isn't there, between you, you, you wouldn't sit one on your lap to watch the telly and feed it popcorn. <laughs> that would be a good visual, round about chapter four, <laughs> just, to in- just to introduce your character. Uh, but, yeah, I, I find it... If somebody tells me that there's a, you know, if there's a sheep skull somewhere nearby, I want it. You know, what's the alternative? Just leave it? That doesn't make any sense to me, and. And and kids are the same. They you know when you, they want to investigate with their hands. They they want to understand and touch and yeah. No, if it if it was me, uh, four year olds would have the I'd be up to the arm in uh, entrails most days. But then again, I'm I'm not I'm not a director of education, so <laughs> some would argue probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, but those aren't the kind of people I'd be wanting. To <laughs> you know what, I tell you what, I, I, I'm so tired today, it's unbelievable. So when I, if, if by some chance I happen to listen to this back, I will wonder what the fuck I was talking about. But I will know that in this moment, it made perfect sense. Yeah, well, I've, I've followed you so far, so you're good. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> um, is there any book that you have read that you wish you'd written? Oh, uh yeah, um, well, look, this is why I can't do surveys, right? Because I can't, I can't do yes, no's. Strongly agree, strongly disagree. I, I, um, 
every book has to come out of, of somebody's own personal experiences and their own inkwell of, of, of what inspires them, what, what's, uh, what they're trying to be. You know, I, I, I think it's very difficult for one person to have written somebody else's work. But just to take the, just for the concept and the purpose of the question. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, everything that, uh, everything that Belinda Bauer writes is, uh, is exactly how this genre sh should, should be. Belinda Bauer is, is a superb, superb writer. Uh, so yeah, I, I read I read Belinda with a with real jealousy uh, and admiration. Uh, everything that uh, that that Sarah Hall, um, a slightly more literary, uh, ten, more short story writer, but her, her her use of language is exquisite. Her the way that she can drop in elements of magical realism into into real contemporary situations is just fabulous uh, I, I i wish i i wish i had the patience to write something like birdsong by sebastian fox absolutely majestic book just just every the whole thing I, I it's like it's delicious you know even the gross even the gross bits the words flow together so beautifully that every you almost taste them as you're reading it that's immaculately put together and, and yeah, if I, if I could write even even one sentence that would find a place within that book, I would feel as though I'd done pretty well. Uh, and probably, uh, given that, that that is all that seems to come up on the Facebook feed, anything by Mike Craven uh, really would. Yeah, I, I I like Mike. I've always liked Mike. I'm going off him. There's no two ways about it. With each new book and his and and this the, the the level of adoration that his fans seem to seem to have, uh, and the fact that he's a, a good foot and a half taller than me, uh, yeah, it's 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 bizarre that we're friends. It really is. Uh, but yeah, just purely so that I could you know throw it at him, um, I'd quite like to have written something something by Mike. Uh, and what else? Uh, Belle de Jour. She had a hell of a life, didn't she? Uh, Sacred Diary of a Call Girl. Uh, yeah, I wish I'd, I, I wish I'd written that because because it's a memoir, uh, and that's, that that implies a hell of a life. So yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that, or uh, yeah, or Mister Nice by Howard Marks for the uh, for the same reason. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I'm I'm proud of what I write. I'm proud of my books. I, I know I'm a good writer. Uh, you know, I, I can't control the market. Some books do well. Some books don't. Some are crit critical successes and commercial failures, vice versa. But I know that that everything I've ever written, yeah, I'm proud of, and I couldn't have done it better. But there are times when you pick up somebody else's work and you think, oh my god, this is just exquisite. You know, it really is exquisite. And there's other times that you pick up a book that's done incredibly well and you and you get, you know, you're 50 pages in and saying, am I missing something? Because, you know, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather read my own autopsy report than continue with this. This is awful. Uh, so, yeah, I think I think try and be yourself to the best to the best of yourself. Um, but I'd basically I'd like to have written all of my books, but have more money. That, that would be the uh, the ideal situation. Yeah. Have you read uh, Mike's books, Mike Craven's books? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, he's 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 easily the uh, the the second best bald northern uh, crime writer. No, no, no doubt. It's annoying, isn't it? Because he's so nice as well. It's just like, oh. don't be fools. Don't don't be fools. <laughs> he, he, he does that for the fans. Believe me, <laughs> if if you knew the truth, believe me. Honestly, his poor wife. You've no idea. <laughs> the, 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 the things he makes her do to him is un unbelievable. <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's a, he really is. He's, he's a he's a very nice man and he, he deserves it all. And the thing is as well that, you know, people lose sight of the courage that it takes to take that leap of faith. You know, like Mike had 
an important job. He, he did a lot to help people in probation service, and you know he, he'd really put himself through a lot. Uh, and then to to sort of to say right now I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this thing. I'm actually going to try to do it to the level that he's at. Uh, yeah, I, I mean you know that that's a courageous thing to do. We, we, we admire it when we see people see it on X Factor, somebody who's given the job to follow their dream. But but there's novelists who are doing it every day. There's there's, there's novelists who who've got who've been given no encouragement, but knowing their heart that they're meant to do it, and they're willing to turn their back on it, start, and give themselves to it. And I and I think that that's that's its own reward, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have lots of? Sorry, I'll say, do you have lots of author friends? I, I don't know if they're friends, but I know loads of the buggers. Uh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm very lucky. You know, I, I've been a full-time novelist for 10 years now, and I've met most of my heroes. Uh, and it's a, it's a strange thing. For a long time, I've had two lives while I've been a, an author, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite... I, I talk openly about my own mental health issues and my uh, alcoholism and, and now I'm quite, quite well mm. for my standards clean living so I don't really go out I don't really do any of the socializing stuff anymore I don't I don't do the festivals or or, or any of that stuff so you know you don't get those chances to to catch up with with people the way that I once did but yeah it's, it's quite a close-knit community you know we all seem to we all seem to get on you you're always pleased for somebody else uh, because you you know how much snobbery snobbery there is attached to to this as a genre, uh, and so yeah, you you're always pleased when when somebody has had a breakthrough or uh, or just when when a new book is particularly well received. So yeah, it's it, it's it's nice really. They are primary writers are by nature quite a, quite a decent bunch, uh, or at least I I I, I think so. They've, they've, I've, I've had some fairly bleak times uh, while I've been a published author and there's always been people there who, who were there to pick you up uh, which given that they spend the majority of their time in their minds killing people suggests <laughs> that you know that, that they're decent people uh, so yeah no, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky um, Do you get a lot of feedback from your readers? Uh, yeah, I, I get the feedback from a from a particular hardcore cohort of, of readers. Yeah, uh, it's it's strange because you get such a peculiar view of of how of what kind of connection you're making with a reader, because the majority of readers don't read in the way that uh, publishers think that they do. The majority of readers don't read in the way that authors hope they will. The majority of readers don't really care that much about the author and they, they they buy a book or two sometimes two for a fiver when they get the shopping and they'll start it and then life will get in the way and they won't come back or, or they'll they'll buy it they'll enjoy it and then he you know five years later remember it and say oh there's the sequel i enjoyed that i best read the first one again and you know it's a it's a lot more fragmented uh, as as a activity than than we would like it to be the people who i get the feedback are the ones who are really into books uh and, and you know god bless them I, I salute you uh but they are the ones who, who want to come here and hear you give a talk they are the ones who want to ask you questions about your work you know they're into it the way that other people are into their music or their films or their football that's and you know they're, they're, I, I love these people because they are the ones who are you know, it's almost as if to them that uh, you're a rock star, whereas, you know, I, the best will in the world, I, I wish I could have just been a rock star. That would have been so much easier. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's nice. You know, I, I, I do, if I post something on social media about a new book coming out or uh, some, anything in the bookish world, I could almost name the, the, the people who will respond to that. And that's great because you know they're, they're they're sending you a big high five across the void. They want you to do well because you've made a connection with them and they like your work and, and whatnot. The funny thing is that I, as a reader rather than as a writer, don't really want to know very much at all about the people 
who uh, who write the books that I love because they spoil it. There's nothing worse, you know. I mean, I like I adore adore Terry Pratchett's work, right? The Discworld. But I was a journalist, and I met the old the grumpy old bugger a couple of times, and yeah, his 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 mind and his imagination and everything. Good God, wonderful. But he was a cantankerous old bugger. Uh, and that kind of is neither here nor there towards his body of work. So I, I sometimes I think you could you could know too much uh, about the author. So it's, it's a tricky one because publishers are always pushing you to go out, do events and make yourself known and whatnot. But I, I, I'm massively secondary to my work. I, I, I always have this fear that, that people will hear me talk and think, you know, I'm a bit weird, occasionally funny. And that's what I'll write, but I don't. I, I, I write. I, I write fairly serious explorations of, of of the human condition, but there just happens to be bodies dropped here and there. Uh, and you know, there's occasional funny bits, but no, they, me is kind of irrelevant to, to the books. You know, if people had to had to pick me or pick my books, I'd pick my books because. They're they're the best I could do. This is just a this is just a twat bumbling around uh, <laughs> trying to work out what I think. If you want to know what I really think, see what I write. This this is one of the hard parts of being somebody who makes their living from the written word. Is you know that even the most perfectly written uh, piece of prose or, or or blog or essay really is is just chip paper. It's gone. So the idea of people getting upset by some poorly spelled scribblings on social media is is absurd, utterly ludicrous to me. Uh, because you know, I, this is the written word is everything that I love. Um, so yeah, it's, it it makes it really really hard to to understand. But again, sidetrack. Uh, but yeah, in answer to your question. Which is you did this? Well, that was the point of the exercise. Uh, yeah, I get a lot of feedback, but I uh, don't care about it. Uh, I'm very lucky. People people like what I put out. Uh, occasionally, I get you know some some utter bellend will leave me a, a one star review on Amazon. But then you 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 know if if you can't help yourself, you do check and you you find out that they've left a five star review for some hemorrhoid cream. You feel that sort of <laughs> that wonder. Ah, yeah, I understand why you are so grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. um, what's your biggest dream? It's going to sound pathetic. It really is. I would like everything that I have. Yeah, everything. I, 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 I love where I live. I love what I do. Uh, I'm very lucky. I've got lots of children who, who are my everything. I have a, uh, my partner is, uh, is my world. I'd like all of that to be slightly easier. Uh, it really, it's, it's not asking that much, but I, I accomplished the thing I wanted. When the first day that I walked into a bookshop and my book was on the shelf, and everything that comes after that is 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 a wonderful, wonderful bonus. But that was the thing that I wanted. Uh, and you, you know, you can shift your goalpost. You can say, "Well, I wish it was. I wish, I wish it sold this many copies, or I wish it won this." So, you know. But in my in in this industry, there is something exciting around the corner all the time, and it's its own reward. I absolutely love writing I, I love having an outlet for the characters that appear in my mind I love being, I love having a you know it, with the best will in the world and you know joking apart it, it's not always an easy place to live inside my my head uh, and writing has saved my life time and time and time again so I want to be able to keep doing it that's the, that's the thing but it would be nice if I could do that without constantly having to scrabble, you know. But then again, who says life's meant to be easy? You know, I went all said and done. If my life had been easy, I'd, I'd never have got. I'd never have had the, the fight or, or that that courage to go for it. You know, and sometimes it's uh, it, it's that cauldron 
that's or the furnace even it's, you know things crushing you but sometimes it turns you into the best version of yourself so yeah and obviously uh, for for Newcastle to eventually get rid of Mike Ashley get a new chairman and uh, start building a decent team <laughs> <laughs> no not much then no, I don't. I, 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 I really, seriously, I, I'd, I'd be the guy if I got three wishes from a genie. After the first couple, I'd be like, "No, do do what you want. What do you? What can we do for you?" <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you like to do when you're not writing? Uh, Don't poke dead sheep on a field. <laughs> yeah, well, my my life, such as it is, uh, means that. Writing is the luxury at the moment uh, because my, my, my youngest is a, she's magnificent, but she's a, she's a handful. Uh, and, you know, she, she takes up the majority of, of my time uh, and, I'm, and I love it. You know, we live in the countryside. We're always, we're always beside a river. Uh, she's constantly trying to kill herself in some elaborate way and I'm always trying to stop her. Uh, so, yeah, I, I love being out in the countryside and I, but I love those little quiet moments. I think I like it occasionally when everybody else has gone to bed and the, the house is quiet and I can literally just sit and, and read with a cup of tea. Uh, but the, the daft thing is that after 20 minutes of that, I, I think to myself, you're wasting your time here. You should be writing. So that's what I go and do because that's the thing I enjoy the most. Uh, you know, but I, I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy my life, which is weird when you've got, you know, chronic depression. But I'm a quite cheerful person, really. It's just that if I stop, I sink. So I don't sink, so I don't stop. Uh, and it's, it's like if my plan for many years was, if I could just drink until death, I'd never get a hangover. And I've kind of switched that now. So it's like, if I never stop, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll never, I'll never sink ever again. And I don't think that I, I don't think Matt Hague would put that in one of his books as a coping strategy. If I'm, if I'm honest, but it seems to serve me quite well. And if the doctor mentions my blood pressure one more time, I tell you, I'm, I'm <laughs> over it. Uh, yeah, I can relate to that more than the more than you realise. Actually, oh, <laughs> I okay. totally get. Yeah. Um. What's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Most embarrassing? Yeah. Oh Christ! Uh, I don't know. I don't get embarrassed. Uh, I, I, I am. I am an embarrassment uh, to to family, friends, <laughs> publishers, agents, uh, everybody. But no, I, I, I don't get embarrassed at, at, at all. I mean, like you know, when you see other people and then like their their cars broken down. Uh, in in the middle of the street, and they, they are the cause of, of the biggest gridlock that ever has happened in that city. I've been that guy several times, and I literally have been been sat cross-legged on the bonnet of the car, just thinking, "Well, it'll sort itself out eventually. I'm not going to still be here tomorrow." Uh, no, I, I I don't really I don't really get get embarrassed. Um, I, I wish I had a good answer to that to that question. Loads of embarrassing things happen to me, but the majority of the time, I just find it funny. Uh, I, I, I don't really take myself seriously because why, why would I? Yeah, it's just I, I find things funny, and and tragedy is often funny, and falling flat on your face is 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 pretty funny. That's actually you know what actually flat on the face just caused a thought, uh, and I do vividly recall. Uh, I think it was about my third day in my first job in journalism. Uh, and uh, I, I was the most wonderful pratfall of walking straight into a glass door that, that didn't open for whatever reason. And it, it, it couldn't have been more cartoonish. I, like, I literally just splatted against this, this, this glass partition and sort of streaked down it like a terrible <laughs> mind. Uh, but even then, I just thought, oh, my God, I wish I could have seen that rather than experienced <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I, the only time I get those moments is when you make a joke that that just goes down the toilet. Uh, 
that you know that that's those are the way occasionally you just oh I, I thought that was going to work, uh, but even then you're trying your best, aren't you? Uh, honestly, this is the only lesson I teach my teach my kids that I'm serious about is is why do you give a shit about what anybody else thinks of you as long as you think you're okay? Seriously, I, I mean honestly, I, I just it really it, it it pains me. It it really does when I see how much people tear themselves apart because because of other people's you know, just even noticing them, but then not being noticed is so much worse. So yeah, so I can't I can't give you a better answer than that. I'm afraid, but I probably I'll probably message you about three o'clock in the morning to say I've thought of something. That's how it goes. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, who was your first celebrity crush? Oh uh, well, I, I'm going to say I'm going to say quite quite candidly that I've been a hypersexualized human being for the majority for as long as I can remember. Uh, I think, and I did tell her this when I met her uh, that Janet Ellis from uh, Blue Peter uh, was the first person that I truly remember thinking "whoa" uh, about, and I, I don't know, I can't a bit more than seven or eight. Uh, but I, I vividly recall that. Uh, and then from the age of about 11 onwards, um, everybody I've ever seen uh, has in some way beguiled or titillated. Uh, so, yeah, but I did, I did tell Janet Ellis that when I, when I met her, and she, and she was she was oddly uh, oddly pleased to know that she'd given me that, that awakening. So that, that, that was quite good. Uh, I, I, a few years ago, I told Lorraine Kelly uh, that she was one of the five people I was allowed to sleep with. Uh, and she was really, really quite taken with that. She was quite pleased. <laughs> but as I, I, she said, she, she says, oh, and you weren't on mine. Uh, so, <laughs> but yeah, it was, that was one of those special moments for me. So. Yeah, I love Lorraine Kelly. She's great. I can totally imagine. <laughs> Oh, just about yeah. I was staying. I was staying at the Ice Hotel in uh, in Lapland, uh, as you as you do. Yeah. This was when I, this was this was when I had money. <laughs> I briefly had money. I spent it. Um, yeah, and uh, we were both at the, at the breakfast buffet, and I heard this laugh, and I thought that sounds like Lorraine Kelly, and it was. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been this person if I hadn't gone at least said, "I'm allowed to sleep with you if you're interested." Uh, and uh, yeah, and you could see in her eyes that she was, uh, but it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, I mean, now she's not on my list anymore uh, because I know that it's, uh, and also that this particular partner that I'm with wouldn't allow me a list. There's, there's, there's no one, no, no one, no. One. I don't, I don't even have eyes. I don't look. Don't nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's probably safe. Yeah. Uh, and how many restraining orders are there? Not magic. <laughs> <laughs> What's the opposite of restraining order? Well, that would be cool, wouldn't it? That's just stalkers, you, isn't it? Yeah, if you could have an order that meant people had, had to be there, it had to. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, like a binding order. That would be. That would be good. Yeah. yeah. For, for for the really insecure and paranoid people, you could t- you could take out a uh, a containment order. That means that they're not allowed to leave a thirty-yard radius at one time. I think that will be popular. Yeah, I quite like the idea of that actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, are you working on anything at the moment, and what's coming next for you? I'm always working on on something. Yeah. Uh, I, at the moment, I've got two books that just came out in the past month: uh, Cages uh, and The Guest House. Uh, and at the moment I'm working on the 10th, I think it's the 10th in the McAvoy series. Uh, that won't be out until this time next year, but prior to that, this summer, I've got the next McAvoy coming out. Uh, so, yeah, it's always busy. I mean, the, the days when I used to be up and down the country doing uh, like, like bookshops and libraries and signings and stuff like that, you know, I, I, I can't commit to anymore because I live in the countryside I've got kids uh, and I don't know how many books this books they sell if, if, if I'm honest it's very nice but you know I, I don't drink anymore uh, and 
really, it, it's kind of an ego thing anyway, really. And I know that because that's the only reason I did it, was for my ego. Uh, and it's nice because you get to meet readers and they get to tell you what you mean to them, and that's lovely. Uh, but really, you know, I've got to use what little time I have quite wisely. Um, so if I had the choice of, of talking about writing or writing, I would invariably be writing. Um, apart from this past hour, uh, when this has, has literally been like a therapy session for me, because uh, I don't think I've spoken to anybody for what seems like weeks. So thank you for being for for, for being for being the tapestry for, for, for this just horrendous splurge of intellect and bollocks. Really. Uh, well, I, I should be honoured then that you've uh, taken an hour away from writing to even talk to me. So, well, yes, well, you know, I, I just don't get the respect that I deserve. That's the trouble. When, when I make these gestures of largesse, you know, you know, they used to be that people sent me things. I used to, honestly, you've no idea what it's like. If, you, if you're an author and your first book is a big hit, you get such an unrealistic sense of your place in the world. You know, it's constant. Publishers sending you presents, people sending you money. So, you know, would you give us a blurb for this book? Yeah, we'll send you this, send you that. And then your second book comes out and nobody's interested. And suddenly, so, and then you're like, what, what, what happened? What happened to all of it? He used to send a car for me. Why, why aren't you sending me? What do you mean you want me to get the train? Are you see, all right, well, will you send me a ticket? What what's this standard standard class? Are you out of your mind? And then and ten years on, you 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 ring your editor and you've got to explain to the person on reception who you are. You know, not in a sort of don't you know who I am kind of way, but just in a yeah, it's Dave. I'm one of her authors. Yeah. yeah. No, you no, you wouldn't have heard of me, love. No, no, you wouldn't. you're right. You're right. I am irrelevant. Definitely. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything I haven't asked you that you want to tell us. Oh, I, I don't ever want to tell anybody anything. That's just that I, I can't not answer a question because uh, I never know what I think about anything until after I've said it, uh, which is which, there's no there's no editing of, of bollocks, is there? It's just, you know, it's what comes out. And you think to yourself, yeah, actually that was a good point. Or, no, you don't really think that at all, David. Why are you saying that? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's bizarre because my characters have to have a believable, coherent thought process. Uh, and I have to be able to look out through their eyes and understand how they would think and how they would, how they would vocalise those thoughts and how they can be the character I need them to be. So I am capable of doing that, of... of, of working out how other people think, but they have to be fictional. This is the, this is the difficulty. Fictional characters have to be believable, uh, whereas almost everybody I meet in life is, is slightly, slightly unbelievable. You know, you think yourself, you, the level of effort that you put in to make sure that your characters have a linear journey and, uh, and develop uh, and evolve, and then you meet another person and you think, no, no, that's not what we do at all. We, <laughs> we, we, get to, we get to a certain age and sort of stay there and get slightly more withered and withering <laughs> unto death. So, yeah, I've retreated into fiction every time. <laughs> well, before we go, do you want to tell everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can find your books? Uh, yeah, I've got my own website because you, you have to have one. You're not allowed to not have one, uh, which I think is www.davidmarkwriter.co.uk. Uh, it's, it's very good. It was done for me by a lady called uh, Madeline who cares a lot more about it than I do. Uh, it's, it's terrific. Uh, but you can find me on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, uh, I'm not Tinder anymore. Uh, so... Yeah, just Google me, uh, and and when you see the the you know the, the moody, artful pictures, uh, and think, oh yeah, he looks like a serious writer, just also could compare and contrast that with this twat. So. <laughs> and on that note, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you.
Thanks for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please remember that you can view the video on my Facebook page, Donna's Interviews, Reviews and Giveaways, or you can also review the video on YouTube. Um, Just search for my name, uh, Donna Morfitt. Uh, surname's M-O-R-F-E-T-T, and you should be able to find it quite easily. Um, if you want any people to be interviewed, then please let me know, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.